0: Ledger is a writing podcast and a firm believer in hitting return rather than backspace. I'm Austin Wilson. Welcome to the show. Uh, Took a month off, um, went to Myrtle Beach, had some relaxing times, bought a lot of books. I'm about to sneeze. You didn't hear it because I edited it out, but it just happened. Take time off when you need to. Mental health, physical health, both of those things. Take the time off for it. Uh, On today's show, we have author E.V. Knight. Super excited that I got to talk to her. Um, Just a a heads up for for everyone listening out there, there is a brief discussion um, regarding sexual assault uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, Nothing too graphic, but it does come up, so if that's something you'd rather not hear... um, It it happens pretty close to the end of the episode when we start talking about her newest book, Three Days in the Pink Tower, out now from Creature Publishing. Uh, It is based on a real-life experience that Evie Knight had, so just a heads up for everyone listening um she also wrote the fourth whore which is published by raw dog screaming press Uh, that book won her the bram stoker award for superior achievement in a first novel so make sure you check that out as well go to ev knight author that is the letters ev and then k n i g h t author.com oh gosh she and i had uh honestly one of my favorite conversations it was just It was like uh, I met her years ago, but we we literally, this was the first time we ever got to talk. And we talk about a lot of stuff that's always on my mind, uh, and probably yours too, if you are uh, out there and are a writer. We talk about why we guilt ourselves when we're not writing, and how we feel like we have to write, but we throw roadblocks into our way, and... Um, we discuss what it's like when she's writing, how her head feels, and if she she hears someone telling the story or, or what it's like when she's doing it. Uh, also, she's spent a lot of time working as a physician uh, in the medical health field. So we talk about that and how it informs her writing um, and also about the idea of, quote unquote, breaking in to uh, a thing that you want to do like writing um, and just a, a general conversation about what it's like to write and, and, and how she does what she does. And, uh, like I say in, in the interview, I, I counted it up and I'm pretty sure based on, based on her website between the years, 2020 and 2022, she has had nine publications. And that's another thing we talk about is, is hustling, hustling, uh, as a writer, um, and, and getting things done. So, This is my chat with Ev Knight. Um, Make sure you go check out my website, austinrwilson.com. I'm also on Twitter at austinrwilson and ledger underscore podcast. Uh, I currently have a zine slash short story for sale on Lulu through a place called Mini Comics. That's with a K, K K-O-M-I-X. It's called A Late Night Encounter. It's part of my shibboleth stories. Um, And it's a a tale of alien abduction. Um, But I've also been working on a lot more shibboleth stuff. And I can now say on the show, since I took a month off, uh, I have a story coming out October 1st in a collection called Nom Nom from Black Hair Publishing. Um, That's available for pre-order right now on Amazon. There will be a link in the description of the show, but also all over my Twitter account. So you can definitely go find that. Uh, It's only 99 cents. It's a a collection of 100-word stories. My story is shibboleth. Just a 100 Words. It's called True Halloween. Make sure you grab that. Um, And the show is completely free and completed every single time I do it just by me. If you love the show, yes, like it, rate it, review it wherever you can. Um, And if you feel so inclined, swing by my website and uh, shoot a donation my way. You don't have to. The show is going to be free no matter what. Um, But it is just me. Um, as for now, here's Evie Knight. Is uh, do you think writing is something that you have to do? Do you feel like you have to? I know f- I, people people have talked about that in the past, and I've even talked about it for myself. Would you say that's true for you?
1: I absolutely would. I mean, there have definitely been times I, I have you know I have another uh, in a full time job outside of writing. Writing is not my full time job. I'd love it to be, but for right now, I have to pay my bills. And so um, I have a full-time job that's really busy. I'm a physician. So uh, I've thought a, a few times that I've been like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I just have to give something up. Like, I'm exhausted and something has to give. And it will be writing. I'm, I'm all done, you know. And then two weeks later, I'm like, oh, I have this great idea. And then I start again. it. I just, I can't. I can't give it up. So, yeah.
0: Does that happen often for you? Because that's a cycle for me that... I don't want to say it's often, but it's. I guess it's often enough that I'm just like, you know what? If I was going to quit, I would have. I should just get over this shit and just sit down and start <laughs> writing.
1: Yeah. Um. For the first couple years, I think after, right after the fourth horror, my first book, um, came out. Uh, I was like, okay, well, there you did it. You know, you reached this goal that you had in your life, and um, so this is a great time to just be done. You did what you set out to do. So be done. Um, and then for those first couple years, it, it I did that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but lately I've decided like you get over this shit. Like you are going to write. You are a writer. You can't stop doing it. Um, and so I am at a point right now about this, I don't know, probably about June or July. Um, it hit me that, that, that hit me. And um, so I was like, okay, you know what you need to do then is you need to hustle and, and do better so that you can cut back on, on the day job and, and, right. you know, make writing. Because writing is obviously something I can't give up, right? I've been in medicine for almost 20 years. That I can retire. I'm ready. I've done that too. So I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm trying to really not, I'm trying to focus really hard on writing and making that my primary, um, my primary thing that I do every day. Uh,
0: you mentioned hustling. So <laughs> in, in doing the, the research for for our chat and for mm-hmm. us talking about everything, I count nine publications from you between 2020 and <laughs> 2022. Yeah, that, that's, exactly. that's both short and long this, and this is short the stuff <laughs> that's listed on your, your site at Evie Knight mm-hmm. author. I'll, I'll link that everywhere in the, in the show notes and everything. Thank
1: you. Yeah. So
0: that is, that's hustle. <laughs> like, that's a lot. To... If, uh, because um, the fourth horror,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all the shorts that I saw listed where you're, you're in anthologies and mm-hmm. um, your newest novel. So how, what's mm-hmm. that hustle look like for you? Because if you're a physician, that's mm-hmm. not a, I'll just go to work and just kind of get it's, through the yeah. day. Yeah, what's, what's that hustle not... look
1: like? Oof. So, you know, the, I So, hmm, it looks like um, the walking dead. <laughs> no, it looks like <laughs> oh, it does. No. <laughs> it looks like a very crabby me all the time. A whiny me. I mean, I so I take 24-hour call shifts. So, I do um, – I work in the hospital. So, when I'm – I take a 24-hour shift. So, I start at 8 a.m. and I don't leave the hospital until 8 a.m. the next day. And I do – between six and 10 of those a month and that is
0: so have you done that for 20 years
1: no that was just the last about year and a half i switched i i used to have my private practice so i used to be every single like every single day and that's when it was really bad like that's when it was really really hard because i was i I was the queen of sticky notes um because between patients i'd be writing You know jotting ideas or oh i know what this character should do you know and then i'd be like sticking them on things and carrying them home and then digging these rumpled up un you know lint covered sticky notes out trying to decipher what i meant or carrying them around in my white coat pocket my scrub pocket um you know between patients between you know baby deliveries things like that so um that was a really hard time and i i at that time i had to make a decision Again, like how can I make this work? Because I really was working myself to oblivion, and uh, decided to do this this job that I'm doing now, which is which is called late, like hospitalist or laborist, where you take these shifts, and that's all you do. So I'm not in clinic anymore. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not trying to juggle clinic and call and all that. So when I'm there, I'm just dedicated to the job for 24 hours, and I come home. But, um, you know, 24 hours straight also is exhausting. So you come home and you end up sleeping. And then I have this guilt complex that I'm sleeping instead of writing, you know, like, oh, now you have the rest of the day off. You should be writing. And uh, so I think I've just traded one, you know, like neuroses for another. Right. Um, but so my my biggest thing right now is is my life, when I started writing and even now, is kind of this mass chaos. It's not... You know, I don't have a writing routine like a lot of the writers do like, oh, you know, I get up, I do this and at 11 o'clock I start writing and I write from 11 to 2 or whatever. I, I can't do that because every single day is different to me. Like, you know, whether I'm on call that day, post call that day, or it's a day off between calls or something. So it's when I have the time. So I'm I'm frequently just trying to catch up on everything. And, and, and you know, when I say hustle and you know this as well. um unless, unless you're Stephen King, God love him and happy belated birthday. Um, Unless you're someone in, in that, in that level, it is a hustle because you know, you're not just writing, right. You're writing, you're promoting you're marketing. You're trying to stay on social media, trying to keep your face out there. You're trying to answer submission calls for anthologies as well as write your novel so that your name stays out there and people know who you are. And you're trying to interact with other writers at the same time and, and doing, you know, and, and doing things like, you know, book signings and podcasts and et cetera. Right. Um, so it, it just, I, I just, my life is like this weird bohemian hippie sort of thing with this really hard <laughs> job in the middle of it, because I'm, I feel very, whoo, what, what is today going to bring? I don't know. But it, it, so that when I say hustle, it really is just like every second that I have, I have to really be cognizant of what I'm doing with that time. And, um, and sometimes I have to force myself to take, you know, self care breaks and things like that, because, um, I'm trying so, so hard to juggle these two massive massive jobs.
0: Well, that's a, so there's a couple things in there. You said that really stuck out to me the very first one, which I'm sure this won't surprise you is, was the guilt complex because, <laughs> because obviously that's something I carry too. Mm-hmm. And where do you think it comes from? Like, what do you think happens to a writer? where we because the thing you're talking about where you're like I feel guilty because I'm sleeping
1: (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like it's you don't you don't
0: have a choice (laughs) like your body will do that and but but you feel guilty because you're Mm -hmm. not writing right because you're sleeping like what happens to us what happens
1: it is that is a great question because you don't really hear that in other in other uh other people's, you know, jobs. they're like vacation. Woo. Right. If I'm on vacation and I'm walking around somewhere on vacation. Even then it's, it's even worse. Like I'm trying really hard to enjoy my vacation, but I'm sitting at a bar writing on cocktail napkins instead of, um, instead of, you know, my sticky notes, <laughs> because I always have that in the back of my head that I need to be writing. I need to be doing this. And I, I don't know what, what, It is, or how we develop these guilt complexes and i maybe it's the fact that a lot of times they say writers are people who have you know we we have experienced either traumas in our life or we've experienced some you know something significant that that makes us these thinkers and these observers of of the world and writers right and so maybe all those things are it's like an associated thing that we're you know we get that guilt complex because that's the people we are anyways that's what we're the a type of people that get all of these things this conglomeration of symptoms together that makes us a writer i don't know it's a good question i'm not sure but i know a lot you're you're right a lot of writers say the same thing like i feel guilty for taking a vacation or
0: whatever well i've like when i was younger i can obviously i remember writing you know as i as i mm-hmm. was growing growing up and and having it change to mm-hmm. to feel like something that i'm like, I'm not doing that thing right now, and I should be, and mm. making myself feel bad about it. Um, mm. I don't know. It's just such a, it's such a weird, I one of the previous interviews I, I did on the show was with Daniel Krausen, and he talked about how he didn't feel that, how for him, it was <laughs> just like, he couldn't wait to get to the page, and that's all he wanted to do, and mm-hmm. that he didn't feel guilt, um, because that was kind of just it was always amazing for him. And I was like, man, that is I'm not jealous. <laughs> I'm right. Me too. I, I don't know what that feels like. And no, I don't know. There's a, I think there's a, a fear in me that I would that I feel like I'm still not doing it right because I feel guilty if I'm not writing. Does that make right. sense?
1: Right. It makes absolute sense. Yeah. And, and then maybe, maybe it goes along with it because you, what you just said about him saying, you know, he's so excited that I dread getting to the actual keyboard. Like I yeah. love the note taking. I love all the planning, the the running things through my head as I'm driving in the shower. But as soon as I set down the keyboard, I'm like, I should probably throw a load of clothes in the water. You know? <laughs> right. It's I'm like oh, okay, I'll do that and then I'll come back. Oh, you know what? I should shave my legs. It's been a while. You know, it's <laughs> silly. Like and and I dread it. But but I love the finished product too, so I don't. I don't Steve, know. It's some strange mental complex that we should study. We should do a research study. We
0: for. should, and all of that makes me feel normal. So thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. So it's like we can start. We can start gathering more more subjects, right? right? And then we'll feel so much better. All of us will feel better, and we can like write a paper on it and put it in a medical journal, like the writer's complex.
0: <laughs> the, the the weird mind of the writer, <laughs> right? the guilt. Well, yes. I wonder if if it, it's because. When you get to the keyboard, failure, which mm-hmm. that's the, the way that my head thinks, instead of saying yep. success, failure yep. is closer than it is mm-hmm. when I'm taking notes. Because if I'm taking you, notes, I'm not there yet.
1: Right. You're is right. That,
0: is that, do you think that describes what you maybe feel if you, like I, when you get to the keyboard?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you're probably right. Like the planning of it in your head and the, and the note taking and all that, right? That's fun because- any art and I think any artist would tell you this. Like my daughter's a sculptor and and she'll say this too. Like, you know, all my sketches, all my planning is this is amazing. It looks so good in my head, right? And you're like, this is a bestseller, man. Like, I'm telling you this idea, no one else has ever done anything like it. And then you sit down and you're like, I I'm an idiot. Like, this is gonna come out so bad. And um, so I think you're right. You know, like that's the fun part because it makes you feel really good about yourself. And then this then the the actual terror of putting words on a page and and it never living up to this what you've built in your head. But
0: Yeah, finding out if you <laughs> if you are capable of the thing. Like mm-hmm. you can because in a half a second I can imagine what a book I'm gonna write will feel like. Right. Um but the process of getting there is way mm-hmm. different than yeah, that imaginary for, yeah. situation. Yes. So yes. if you're writing um, mm-hmm. either a short work, long work, and doesn't matter. First person, third mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. second person, whatever. Do you hear someone telling you the story? What's going on in your brain as you're putting words together?
1: When I, I, a movie,
0: I, I don't hear.
1: Yeah. I always see the whole thing as a movie. It's, I almost always, even in part of part of my planning is getting online and finding either celebrities or pictures of like, uh, like, you know, 20 year old, you know, athletic person with dark hair. And like, you know, like my search, as you know, as a writer, search histories can be like the, like, God help me if the FBI ever raids my house. But. Um, I, I have to have my, I have to choose my cast, you know, and I have these characters in my head and I watch them do the scene and then I try to write it. And that's how my head works. That's what I see in my head is a movie. And I've had people say, oh, when I read, um, when I read your books, I can almost see it play out in in my head. And I think, yeah, that's, that's the way I write. So I think that's probably why it works that way for some people um because that's how I see it. So I'm just basically trying to describe the, a movie that I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean that's awesome. That's how it feels when I read.
1: Mm-hmm. Like yes. from
0: writing, I've never gotten to that point where I it, I can see everything. Um mm-hmm. but as I'm like as I'm putting words on the page, the thing that I always end up I guess the process that I end up with is that I feel like and maybe this is because I'm a talker, that probably mm-hmm. is why, that I'm trying to tell the story like I would tell the story
1: to, okay. to someone.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's always interesting to me to, to hear different perspectives and, and what's right. going on in someone's head. Mm-hmm. Um, but visually, especially with Three Days in the Pink Tower, mm-hmm. visuals
1: mm-hmm.
0: are driving your stories. Tell me about yeah. the the place that you arrive at where you are getting the, the vision from your head onto the page and how many drafts is normal for you. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of the, the process.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So I, I'll be completely honest. I hate editing and rewriting, hate it with a passion that I can't even describe to you. So draft wise, usually only two, because and it takes me a long time when i sit and that's probably part of why i hate writing so much too i'm not one of those people that's like you know that whole it's just shoveling sand in the sandbox and you can build the no 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 no. i can't do it that way like i will write and erase a sentence like 12 times because once it's on there and i've moved on i don't ever want to see it again right (laughs) i hate 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 rewrites and so i would much rather write maybe more and have somebody take this out. Okay. I'll take that out, but I don't want to go rewrite anything. So when a sentence goes down, it needs to be as perfect as I can get it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I hate, I hate drafts and rewriting. So my, I appreciate my you saying that. Sucked.
0: Well, cause not, a lot of people don't, I mean, I haven't heard at least a lot of people be honest and be like, no, yeah. no, nah, nah, listen, that sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. I hate it
0: it's hard. I mean, I, I love, there's aspects of editing that I love those, the, huh. a rewrite though mm-hmm. um, from the beginning, like mm-hmm. till the end, there's a, there's a part in there every single mm-hmm. time where I'm like, yeah. nah, you know what? This is unsalvageable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, it's slow going for me because I don't know why. And And even little things like grammar stuff, it is the, it's the bane of my, you know, you get an editor sends you back your stuff and says, you know, just fix these, <laughs> just fix these commas. And I'm like, uh, sometimes I'll be like uh, to my husband, will you do this while I'm at work? Will you just go
0: through? So <laughs> I don't want to look this. at it. Like,
1: it's really weird. Once I'm done, it's gone. Like the movie's over, it's out of my head. And I need, I want to move on and I don't want to look at it again. And, um, it's really hard. Like it's, it's so dumb. I don't know why. It's like my creation, but I think it's because I spend so much time while I'm building the story, like tweaking each word. I just don't want to go back to it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'd be happy to read my story for pleasure or to remind myself if I'm going to do a podcast or something, but I don't want to rewrite it. I don't want to go back there. So, um, that's the, yeah, I don't. So that's my process.
0: So if you finish, then if you if you have mm-hmm. something written and, and you're done, um, mm-hmm. and you do end up reading it, um, mm-hmm. do you still encounter things where you're like, oh, shit, I wish I wouldn't have said that? <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Every time.
1: If, yeah, every time. And then I hate myself. I'm really mad at myself for it. And I'm like, you know what? Quit being lazy. Next time, for real. Like I, I tell myself, next time, honest to God, for real, I'm gonna like really put the effort in. And then I get it done. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I probably, maybe I could be better. Maybe I wouldn't have to hustle so hard if I put that effort into, but I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm, I have a problem well, and, you're, from my... and you are now telling everyone
0: like, <laughs> from my perspective, so
1: I shouldn't be so honest in this.
0: No, that all of that stuff, that's all sounds very similar to the to ways that I felt where I'm just like, oh, right. you know what? Next time, Austin, yes. you're not going to do this.
1: Right. And you do it. Yeah. Yep. I, next time, I do this all my, next time, next time I'm going to have a schedule next time. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, have a word count per day next time. No, I, it never happens. It never happens. It's like, what? it's like new year's resolutions.
0: Right. Well, I've talked to other creatives and friends and family about, you know, the things that I struggle with. And eventually I arrive at the place where, like we talked about earlier, where it's just like, mm-hmm. just shut up, man, just sit down yeah, and just, do it.
1: Right. And I mean, that's honestly where, what happens? I mean, otherwise we wouldn't put anything out. Right. So right. there is at least that, that good part of us that tells us to shut up and set our butts in the chair and do it. But yeah,
0: it's just so weird to think about the things that we have to, at least for me and what it sounds like you too, mm-hmm. the things that we have to like make ourselves almost like obstacles that we're creating for ourselves.
1: Yeah. And in, in something that we just literally said at the beginning of this podcast, I have
0: to do it <laughs> we have to do it.
1: I can't quit. I <laughs> right. have to do it, but I hate every part of it <laughs> what the hell
0: <laughs> right you know, but, or no. the yeah just there is something wrong with writers, I think yeah, you're, you nailed it um, <laughs> another thing I, so I'm reading a book right now it's mm-hmm. um, it's Kurt Vonnegut and Suzanne McConnell. it's literally just about writing, and mm-hmm. she talks about. Uh, Having big ears and big eyes, which is a thing Mm -hmm. that jazz musicians say about learning from everything around you. And I'm sure you've probably talked about this before, but I'm so interested in the concept of stories that you hear being a physician and Mm -hmm. the life that you encounter. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we recorded, I I told you I worked at a vet for a couple of years and Mm -hmm. the the stuff that I saw at the vet, holy crap. Yep. So... Talk to me about having big eyes and big ears while you are a physician for as long as you have been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I, I, you, you have the privilege as just like a vet, you have the privilege of, of looking inside a lot of different families, a lot of different, you know, relationship dynamics and, um, and the stuff that you hear. I think probably beyond like medicine, medicine, healthcare, whether human or or animal. Outside of that, maybe bartenders are the other ones that that get this stuff that people just like, open up and will tell you everything. And yep. um, yeah, so as a writer, it's great. It's great to mine all that. You just oh sure, you know, obviously you have to be careful, um, but you you definitely get the gamut of emotions. And emotional reactions to the same thing, you know what I mean? Like the exact same situation for one person and they'll react so, so different from somebody else. So to kind of watch those things and pay attention. So you're right, um, big eyes, big ears and and a big memory, um, uh, memory bank to put those things away because those are absolute. Nuggets of gold when you get something that somebody says that you're like what or even just a phrase that they use and you're like where oh my god oh my grandma said that like oh I love it let me write this down so um, yeah I it, it's that's one of the best parts about uh, being both a, a physician and a writer is that you really really get the emotion part of it you can learn so much about writing emotions and and things like that by just observing and listening
0: Have you ever encountered anything, I don't want to say too real, but you know how sometimes Mm -hmm. something will happen where you're like, there's no way I could write this because Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it would seem fake, even though it's real. Um, Mm -hmm. Finding that like balance between what a reader will believe versus what reality will do, which is always pretty bonkers Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. But there are some times where I just, you know, I think that's the... The one nice thing about being a horror writer is sometimes you can go for broke and put those things in, um, which maybe you can't pull off in a romance novel. Um, it might not seem realistic, but in horror, you can sometimes get away with putting those things in. But yeah, I definitely have stories tucked away that of things I've experienced or observed that there's just no way, (laughs) like no one would ever believe this happened. You know, there's just no way I don't even, I can't explain what just happened. So, um, but absolutely. Absolutely. But you can use it and tweak it and make it a little more realistic and then tell That's the story. Right. So, yep.
0: That's right. Um, yep. So you won the uh, the Stoker Award um, mm-hmm. for the fourth horror for uh, yep. fan- fantastic first first novel, <laughs> best new novel. I yeah. forget the, yeah. the official title. Yeah. I think it's best um, debut novel. Best debut novel. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. How long did it take you to write the fourth horror and... I'm always interested what it feels like to to win an award like that which as you're standing there or when you receive the award mm-hmm. whether it's you know uh, digitally yeah. or, or what it is covid
1: screwed yeah. mine up yep yeah.
0: um what wh- talk me through that that almost like time travel process of sta- of having the award and being like holy shit knowing what it was like for you to write the book
1: mhm so i started the book um as so when i, st- I when I decided and I was, you know, doing medicine and I just, I'd always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to write a book. And um, I just needed to prove to myself that I could, you know, could do it first. So I started writing a little blog and wrote like from prompts every single day for a year. Like if I could do that, then I know I can put the time aside. And uh, anyways, long story short, the book I was using of prompts was Mike Arnzen's book um, instigation Creative prompts from the dark side. And he actually saw my blog and, and we got to talking and became friends. And I found out he was teaching uh an MFA program in Pennsylvania, which is right outside of where I grew up. And um I was like, oh, it's low residency, so you only have to go once a semester, you know. And I'm like, I could I'll do this. So I signed up, anyways. I got in, I did uh an MFA in create writing popular fiction at Seton Hill and uh, highly recommend it. It was an amazing program. Lots of great people. But um, so I started writing the fourth horror. That was my thesis novel. You have to write a novel. That's instead of doing a thesis, you write a novel. Um, and so that was my thesis novel. It started out um, one way. And then um, and I'll, I'll try really hard not to talk too much politics, but it I had just started it. That's that's the semester I started. And then I was about just starting out writing it. And I don't know how many pages into it i was when the um 2016 presidential election happened and um i i was not thrilled with the results and um i was really thinking a lot about women and women's rights and women's what is going to happen to women and um and i i really started diving into a little a few political groups and more feminist type groups and really getting into like what can i do anyways Lilith, Kate kept coming up, I kept hearing her name. And, uh, and I had had my main character, Kenzie, and and death, I had them on it, basically on an adventure together to start. And uh, then Lilith came into my life. And um, she was such a badass. And I thought, Oh, I want to start over. So I, I chucked the whole entire thing and started the whole thing over with Lilith as my main, you know, bad person. And what was I going to do with it? And then, like, um, I used a lot of anger and a lot of emotion in that in that book. And I I continued to write it through school. And I was like going to school and I was working. And then I went through this horrible divorce in the middle of it too. And so there was like so much emotion from my life in that book. Then it became this thing where I was like, if if I, if somebody doesn't think that this is a good book, I think I'll slash my wrist because I put so much into it. And right. I, it was so but then I was trying I would try to explain it to people, like pitch it to pitch it to um, agents and things so They didn't know what I was going to do. And it's I don't and it's OK if you haven't read it. It's OK. But if you read it, you know, it's super complex and it's, there's like four main stories weaving back and forth through the whole thing. So trying to describe it as a new writer too, to anyone was almost impossible. Like I cannot summarize this in, in, in like a two sentence pitch. I can't, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. Um, so, uh, Arn, D- Dr. and Mike and um, was like, you should, you should join the HWA. You need to start going, you need to start meeting people and talking to them about the book and that will help you. And so I did that. And, um, I went to the very first, my very first Stoker awards and I saw that haunted house award. And I was like, Oh, I want that. (laughs) Like, I want that award (laughs) so bad. I want that haunted house. Um, so then it became almost like a, I don't know, like, I worked really, really hard on making the fourth horror as, as as unique and as complex, but also as as uplifting and and beautiful as I could make it, and um, had my eye on that as the pride. like I of course you want it published, but I I really wanted that one up for a stoker. Like I really wanted it to go up for a stoker, and then Raw Dog Screaming Press took a chance on me, and you know we had sat down in the very beginning when they said they would publish and said listen, we don't know. You know, we have no idea how this book is going to, you know, it's controversial. There's definitely some, you know, people are going to probably either love it or hate it. We have no idea. So you need to be prepared. This is your first book. You might get a lot of hate from it. We just don't know, but we're taking it. We'll take the chance. And then they did. And then it shows up on the, on the prelim ballot. And I'm like, oh my God. And then of course, I tell myself, well, that's because I was, I made friends and people liked me and so they're nice and they're being nice. And then, and then it made it onto the final ballot. And I was like, Oh, well, that's just because everybody likes raw dog and um, you know, everybody at HDO like respects them. And it's probably feels bad that they took on this project. Like I'm all these stupid, you know, they feel bad. So they're giving them a, <laughs> they're giving them a pity nom right? and you know, and so, then I then I went out, of course, and read all of my competition's books. And I was like, oh, shit, these are good. You yeah. know, Like, oh, I'm never good. So and then, of course, it, you know, it was covid when I'm finally up for so I'm not even there and I, I just when they read my name, I, I think I scream. I just think I just screamed because it was it was so I just I wanted it so, so bad. But the idea that I could actually win it was seemed so remote that it was really hard to process that I had, you know? And then of course I went through the old, the same things, you know, well, they're just, you know, they were being nice to me or they really like raw dog, So they're helping raw dog out. And finally someone had to, you know, give me a smack or two and be like, that's not how this stuff works. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super proud of it and I love it and I can't even believe it. And I feel like it's one thing that I wanted to do and it's one, you know, one thing that I want to do. It's like that bucket list thing, right? Somebody wants to run a marathon and they, you know, they work so, so hard for years and they run the marathon and they do better than they ever expected. That's, that's, that's what the fourth whore is for me. So it it will always be my, you know, like my, my heart, my heart book.
0: Well, that's an amazing story. Um, (laughs) There's a lot in there.
1: (laughs) There is so much. I, I know I could talk about that alone for hours.
0: Well, one. I've been a horror fan since I was a kid and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I've r- written horror on and off mm-hmm. um, and, you know, taking time away from it, but always reading it mm-hmm. and watching it and not writing mm-hmm. it as much. I started getting way, way back into writing horror, uh, maybe in the last like two to three years, probably mm-hmm. not a shock for for right, everyone right. who knows the world right. um, <laughs> and and the horror community
1: mm-hmm.
0: has been amazing. Um Exactly when you mentioned arnson uh, michael arnson mm-hmm. uh, reading mm-hmm. your 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 blog and being like mm-hmm. you need to join the hwa like i went i went to two conventions dig- online conventions and mm-hmm. m- just in those two conventions alone which literally was i just went to from a room from my house
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I met somewhere between like 20 and 30 people
1: mm-hmm. that
0: i still talk to and like Ex- it was all horror and yeah. It's crazy how that community supports itself and, and each mm-hmm. other. And I, I love hearing that stuff. So that was oh, one of absolutely. the things that jumped out at me.
1: I love the H I love I love going to that convention. I love the HWA. I love the people that I've met. Everyone there is, is so kind and so supportive. Like there's not competition at all. Like even even at the Stokers, everybody's just cheering for everyone else and you're just like so happy, like, oh, you're my nomination buddy, you know? It, it, everyone is just the cool it's just the coolest, it's the coolest family and everyone is so amazing.
0: Yeah. And I do again, it goes back to the what's wrong with writers because I've done that <laughs> same thing where it's like, Well, they're publishing my story because they were just like, it- Oh, <laughs> we like no th- Like, they I are- bought
1: him I bought him a beer that one time <laughs> right. where we had drinks. Right.
0: Yeah. They, they are not like, you know what I want to do? I want to spend a ton of money <laughs> to publish this. To, right. I, no, it's it's because it they is. like the story.
1: I know. My husband had to keep saying that to me. He's like, Hunt, it's a business. I mean, right. you know that. whole it's not personal. It's business. It's the, it works both ways, you know if they're doing something nice for you it's also not personal it's business it's not because they like you or think you're a nice person it's they're they're trying to make money so if they bought yeah, your right. story there's a reason you know he has to talk me down all the time because yeah
0: i need to remember that but it's v- like very literally it is not mm-hmm. because they're just like oh, what a nice person
1: yeah right <laughs> Right? Which is a whole different kind of ego, right? That you think I am such a nice, I am such a good person. I'm, I'm so, so funny nice. and charming that they buy my shit that's so bad because I'm such a great like. I I can live with that ego, right? But I can't yeah. live with the ego that maybe my stuff is just okay. It's really actually pretty good and they're buying it because it's good. Like I can't I re- live with that ego. <laughs> what
0: I really is hope wrong I c- with us? I want to be able to hang on to this because that seriously could <laughs> change things for me. If just to be right. like, "Oh yeah, he's such a nice guy. Let's publish his trash."
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like- no. Right? Right? But that, yeah, if you look at it that way, then what do you think of yourself? Like, you think you're such a great guy. I am so funny and charming, and I bought him a beer, and so he'll never forget me, and he's always going to do these things for me. Like, how stupid, but yep. I can live with that.
0: Yep. Man, <laughs> we are just the weirdest creatures on the face of the planet.
1: <laughs> we totally are. We totally are.
0: Real weirdos.
1: <laughs> so, yes, yes, we are.
0: That's all. I mean, that's awesome. Um, And also uh, I talked to Brenda Tolian on the, on the show and uh, her book was also a a thesis book. So that's an interesting Mm -hmm. idea. I don't, I don't have an MFA. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been obsessed with the writing world and writing Mm -hmm. and stuff since I was very young. And I come across those debates. Do you Mm -hmm. need an MFA? Do Mm -hmm. you, do you not Mm -hmm. need an MFA? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how it helped you. Cause I, I, I love hearing about both sides because, mm-hmm. you know, people who don't have it have their thoughts about it. So what did, how did the MFA help you, um, get to be maybe not the writer that, how to help you?
1: So, uh, you know, I think any of us that write and put it out there, you know, you think well, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty decent writer. And I went into it with that thought. Like for me, I, I've always, like, like you said, like ever since I was learned to read and ever since I got my hands on a, a horror novel I have been a horror fan and uh, film ever you know muse everything so um but at the same time m- my family was always like well you know you do do med school, because you could always write on the side. So my whole life and my whole career really was focused, very, very focused on getting into medical school, you know. And so there wasn't a lot of time for extracurricular or uh, throw away classes in college. You would call them like, oh, you know, examining horror films and things like all the ones I really wanted to take. I really couldn't because I really had to maintain my focus and save save money um, to pay for med school. So the MFA thing for me, excuse me, was probably I went when I when I went into it, I went into it because I felt like I needed to understand the business of writing more because I knew nothing like I knew nothing about how do you get an agent? Do you have to have an agent? How do you find people? And when I I'm on even now, like when I'm on like Facebook, you know, writers groups or things like that, just just any writers groups, you know, sometimes people who've never been published before. I'm in a couple groups of that, just people writing and trying to support each other. And you'll see that, like, well, how do I even find where to find an agent, and how do I find? And so, for me, I went into it with that. I thought I would learn the business of writing, which I did, but also, like, like also discovered a lot about my own my weak weakness, my weaknesses, you know, because you were in critique groups, and suddenly people are critiquing your work, and I've never, you know, you grow up in high school if you're if you have a a talent in writing, right? Your teacher's always like, wow, that was amazing. You're so good. And you pat yourself, you're like, I'm a a good writer and I'm going to be a writer. And that's great. But like to have to actually develop, like learn about getting a critique group and then you realize, oh, wow, that was super important for me to have critique groups and learn what I'm doing wrong and what even if I don't agree, they were my readers and that might be what my readers are thinking. So I need to really examine what what I just did here. And then also the just the making connections, you know, um, a lot of MFAs have their, their, you know, their days where they invite alumni back or they invite publishers to come in and uh, or, you know, we always had each sem- like one semester a year we would have like famous writers come in and give a talk in the evening. And they would sometimes teach a, a class in the day too that you could sign up to take. And so it's just about making connections and and, and things that you don't even think would be, you know, you don't even think about. You just like, oh, I don't I don't need to go. I know how to write, like I know what I'm doing. I don't think I'm, I'm gonna go take this class and learn how to do grammar. I'm pretty good with grammar or whatever. I went in to learn the med- the, the medicine. The, I went in to learn the business of, see? Medicine, always on the right. Med- oh, yeah. I went in to, to learn the, the business of writing, but I learned so, so, so much more that I don't know if I'd be where I am today if I hadn't because of the connections that I made and then those connections, keeping in touch, like you said, you go to those conventions. So if you don't go to MFA, I, that's, that's fine because it's, it's a lot of time and effort. Conventions, conferences... It, those are so so important like if you are trying to write and you're trying to get published whether you're going an independent route whether you're going the traditional or the the indie route i think making those connections and actually sitting down talking to other writers you're going to learn so 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 much and then knowing them being friends with them on facebook and watching them what they do that's where that's where you now have opened the door and got through the door into the writing world so however you do it, MFA or, you know, just going to a bunch of conventions anytime you can. I I think you have to get into the middle of, you have to jump in. You can't just be an outsider at home writing. And like, I know how to write, I'm going to just write. And then I'll just put my stuff out there. You're, I don't know. I just feel like you're going to make a mistake and you're going to miss out on something that could have been really great.
0: I agree with all of that. (laughs) I mean, every, every business has a social Mm -hmm. aspect to it. All of them. Mm Um, unless it's literally like a single person in a, in one room, but I I still think no matter what you're doing, there comes a point where other people are going to help you, whether they're readers or agents or editors Mm -hmm. or publishers, Mm -hmm. you cannot do it by yourself.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, the social aspect, a lot of, I even when I was younger would sort of turn my nose up at that idea about making connections and, um, well, why should I have to do that? And mm-hmm. it's weird to even think of it as like having to. It's just such a rich, like mm-hmm. rewarding part of the of the thing.
1: It is, and I I think. It- it's just another aspect of our, our complex, right? We're all, we all tend to be a little introverted. So the idea of why do I have to make connections? Why do I have to do that? And I agree. And for me, it was super hard walking in there. So I here I am coming in like a completely non-traditional student, right? Like I am old and all these kids are young, right out of school doing their MFA's, you know? And I'm like, I know nothing. Like they, there was so much I learned from them because I knew nothing about that business. So, you know, but that's, it's great too, because then you can trade, right? You can be like, hey, ask me anything about blood loss, ask me anything about, oh, you know, yeah. injuries. Uh, and I will call you up and ask you to introduce me to this friend because young people have no qualms about just walking up to anyone and just being like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't bother him. He's really <laughs> busy. You know? so, well, I... so that's what we do. We trade.
0: That. Yeah. Well, the thing you said, you had, there's, you have to find a way into the thing. And Mm -hmm. I think people get hung up sometimes on the idea of like breaking in and it's really Mm -hmm. not about breaking in as much as it's just like welcoming, Mm -hmm. welcoming everyone around you. And then making sure that you are in the thing. Like I've said it on the show before and uh, somebody, uh, a comic book writer one time I, I was younger and I was like, Hey, how do I, how do I break into comics? um and he was like just start making comics dude
1: <laughs> yeah and start talking to other people who make comics and right it, it just organically happens just so start. you're right yeah you're not breaking in anywhere you're not you got invited to a party so all you have to do is walk through the door and like start talking to people just like, start you're not you're not breaking into the party you're you're the door's open you just walk it's an open house you just walk in and start talking and and things will happen it, very quickly too by the way like all you have to do is start talking, and then somebody's going to inevitably ask you, "Well, what are you writing?" And right. that's all you need. Like that's the one question, and suddenly you're in. What are you writing? And I'm gonna tell you about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, you know who you should talk to, this person. And yep. that's it. That's how easy it is. So,
0: and well, that's the other thing is it's not, it's not underhanded like the way people no. maybe reference it sometimes. Like oh, they know people like literally someone just being like oh hey i remember seeing you um yeah. you weren't you doing the thing and you're like oh yep still mm-hmm. doing the thing and they're like you should go talk to that person they can yes. help you
1: yeah but yeah so you're right like it's not oh you got to know someone well yeah kind of but it's that's how easy it is to know someone right because- <laughs> That's literally how easy it is just be like, yeah, so I'm writing about ghosts. Oh, you know who loves to write about ghosts? You know who knows like everything about ghosts? That person. Yep. And that's it. And then you start talking to them and they're like, what are you writing? Oh my God, that sounds great. You know who, let me introduce you to this person. And then you get in that little niche and that's how it's way easy. It's way, way easy. It's not, it's not Hollywood. It's no. not trying out for like, like football, like a professional football team at all. Like people think it is, but it's not.
0: But that's the other thing, too. I think publishing, it seems huge. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seems like this huge, untouchable place. And Absolutely. it's not. <laughs> and especially, like, the stuff we're seeing in that that lawsuit uh, about, you know, Simon and & Schuster and, and, and Penguin mm-hmm. Random House. The stuff that we're seeing where it's like, not only is it not this huge, untouchable place, it's kind of a place where everybody's just like, we don't know what
1: the fuck we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Right. Absolutely. Nobody does. And there's so much. Uh, and again, I'm only speaking from the horror writing side of things because that's all I know. I don't go to conferences yeah. for like other people or other genres just because I personally would love to. but I don't have the time. So I have to make very important decisions about that. But in the horror writing world, there are so many indie publishers that are really, really good. Yep. And so many super small tiny like micro publishers that are doing some amazing anthologies and all you do again is send you don't have to have an agent do it for you right you just you find out about it you follow them on facebook and then they post their open submissions you send something in and all of a sudden you're on a on a table of contents with like like big big name people and they're again there you are now you're in now you're yep. on the table of contents with you know lee murray or you know, Josh Mallerman or Paul Tremblay or, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
0: that's a, so do you have an agent by the way?
1: Um, so no, not right now, but the, uh, I have, I have stuff out to agents. So I'm waiting. There's one in particular that has, you know, it. I, yeah. Fingers crossed, I guess is all I can ask of everyone is that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to hear back from her, but, um, you know, so far, all the communication we've had has been really, really good. And I'm really hopeful. Because I mean, it would be nice for Mm -hmm. me, especially in my life, to have just one extra set of hands to help me out.
0: Well, yeah, because it's all of the stuff that you have to do, everything Mm -hmm. that we've already talked about marketing Mm -hmm. and and submitting and finding Mm -hmm. the time to be like, Okay, who's got an open call? Okay, is right. there a fee to submit? Okay, yeah. When do I have to submit all When's that? The stuff.
1: deadline. How yep. many words? Yep. What do I have that I might be able to tweak or? That's I've,
0: I've talked to a lot of people in the past about the the benefits and the the detriments of, of having an agent. And for me, the benefits that extra set of hands. Yep.
1: Yep. That's it. Right for me right now. Like I, I, I have zero. I would encourage anywhere. And like, I, I'm not looking to get published by a big name publisher. It would be obviously, yay, that'd be great. You know, it'd be a bigger paycheck, most likely. Sure. What I'm really looking at is is getting some help with some help with just managing my life. And that's what I need right now.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. indie
1: publishers are amazing. And it's like working with family and I love, love, love it. So.
0: Oh, I, I tweeted this, uh, but I will reiterate it here. Those indie publishers They know how to sell books.
1: Oh God. Yeah. Right. They're (laughs) hustling too. They're hustling too. And they're on your side. Like they really want you to do well because it helps. Obviously they do well too, but they have just as much stake in it as you. And they really, most of the time you, you develop also a personal relationship with them and, and they do care about you. And you, you know, so it's nice. You're not, not just another person on their list.
0: Yeah. Um, so before we start wrapping up here, I do want to talk mm-hmm. about your newest book. Yeah. Um, give us a, a a quick rundown on it and tell people, uh, I guess like a blur, like something that mm-hmm. grab grab people to so they'll they'll go check it out.
1: Okay, so this is my first foray into auto fiction or uh, speculative nonfiction, which is um, basically it is a fictionalized memoir of of my own. Experience as a, a 17-year-old teenager uh, when I was unfortunately um, kidnapped and subsequently raped by two men that I had never seen before in my life. So, uh, it, it, when so this thing happened when I was 17, right? And I've always wanted to be a writer, so it, it's always been in the back of my mind to maybe maybe write the memoir of that moment in my life, but also. Um, Like, what, why (laughs) was the point? There's a million of them out there. And unfortunately there, there are. So it was kind of like, well, what makes my story any different than anybody else's that, that I feel, I don't know, like, again, it was an ego thing. Like, why, why, why is mine so different than anybody's? What does it deserve publication? Um, but then I was looking in like, uh, this past, this past June was the 30th anniversary of the event and I, and then it just kept weighing on me last year, you know, that it was coming up and like, what, what did I want to do with it? And it was always kind of like this little black, like poison in my soul that is always just there. And I was like, you know what, it's got to come out and that if nothing else, that's why, you know, you eat you know, food, you know, something poisonous. And what do they do They pump your stomach? They, you got to get it out. So how was I going to get it out? And, uh, I thought, you know, screw that. What a, I'm a, I'm a fiction writer. I write horror. This was a horrific event. What if I took it and I, I, I made it into fiction. Like what if I added spiritual elements to it? What if I, you know, kind of, did a sort of walking that line between life and death and the other side of the veil and and because i felt that's what i was doing in that moment really at every second of the of the experience i didn't know if i was going to survive it so what if i did that what if i had like um guides from the other side you know guiding me and then as i started putting that together and this idea this sort of sense of power came over me you know like I've created all these other worlds, right? Suddenly I have the power to create my own story. I have the power to retell my story however I want. And then suddenly I felt like, whoa, this is why I need to write it, right? I I wanna write this and put it out there so anyone else, women, men, anybody who's been through like this horrendous trauma that's been eating away at your insides for life can read it and think, holy crap, I don't have to write this out and tell my story. Like I can do whatever I want, it's my story. It's inside. Like I can, I can change it. I can change the end. I can write it, and do whatever I want with it. And, and this sort of power came over me um, that I could, and I so I did, <laughs> and um, and I used. I, you know, I was trying to look for what what sort of mythical aspect did I want, and I uh, had been looking at a tarot at the time, anyways, and I'd been reading a book by Sasha Graham, who is the tarot goddess diva herself so if if you're looking for books on the tarot i highly suggest sasha graham but she had a quote and it's in the beginning of my book and it's about how reading tarot is storytelling it's storytelling um, for whatever that moment is so every and, and her points in her books often are you know every time you do a spread that the card in that spread the same card could mean something different based on the situation you're in then. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we kind of had a spread that started out very doom and gloom, but that spread, each of those individual cards became almost like the breadcrumbs that walked her through the forest. Um, And so tarot was like, oh yeah, this is perfect. And that's kind of how that evolved. And and it just was perfect. Like all the tower, the, the tower card, which is like destruction of everything, like the whole resetting your whole foundation. And so um, I'm super, super proud of it. And I can tell you that when I wrote it and I handed it in, you know, my, f- my final draft, right? When I had to rewrite and <laughs> do the things I hate. <laughs> but when I finally had it, you know, and she sent me my ARC copy, it was this amazing, like, realization that that little piece of poison was gone. Like, it truly is. Like, I feel like a whole different person. Like, I feel like I conquered this horrible thing. 30 years, 30 years, I carried it with me and I finally conquered it. So this is like, to me, it's an emotional trophy or something. And I, it's just, it's, it's real important to me. And, um, I really hope people will read it in, in that regard. There's definitely some rough stuff in it. I didn't pull, you know, I didn't pull any punches. I I left in a lot of the hard stuff, but I, I wanted it there because I wanted it to sort of show, you know, whatever horrible, horrible thing you're carrying with you, it's still yours and you can do what you want with it. And you um, still have the power over it.
0: That's right. Um, I, I will, one, the cover uh, is st- very striking. Uh, super, super memorable. It's called Three Days in the Pink Tower. Um, I've read the first three chapters and I, th- I think first three chapters and I knew that I personally wasn't ready Mm-hmm. for where I knew the book was gonna take me so i'm mm-hmm. gonna I had to put it aside um mm-hmm. but not because it i I, well, I, I know I, that it's gonna be uh, a journey that I need to give energy and energy mm-hmm. to and mm-hmm. that's just for anyone listening it's very yeah, well written agree. Um, thank you I'm insanely happy that it's out there um and that it had that effect on you that's um. Mm-hmm. That's something that that I love to hear. And I mean, briefly before we finish up Mm -hmm. earlier, you mentioned Mm -hmm. politics and I think it's impossible to not have that stuff affect our writing. And Mm -hmm. especially not even just like capital P politics, but like the politics of who owns your body and the the choices that you can make for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of really great fiction. Well, I think horror has kind of always Uh, had an aspect of that.
1: I think so, too. Horror has always been a way to to put those thoughts out there and, and question, you know, put, like put that ethical question to the reader. I think the horror does that really well. Sorry, I interrupted you. but
0: No, no, I 100 percent. I uh, agree. And I think it's it's great to see it uh, informing stories like it has with yours. And mm-hmm. really, it just I I'm glad to, to hear that you had the had the experience mm-hmm. you did writing the Thanks. book and got to mm-hmm. feel that leave
1: yeah it was it it really is great and i i totally get what you said i've had a lot of people say that like i wanted to read it the whole way through but i had to stop you know i had to take breaths i knew what was coming and and that's okay too because yeah it is a lot it is a lot emotionally i think and especially knowing it's auto fiction like you realize that there is a lot of truth in there and I, i think anyone with any semblance of a heart i hope would, would feel that way. Like, oh this really happened. And, and it did most of, most of that did happen, yeah. but um, yeah, th- I mean, but you're right. Right now in horror, there are some amazing things happening, like anthologies that are dedicated to this stuff and, and body politics and, and um, you know, the, the transgender world, like is being celebrated and, 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 Uh, Like all of these things, like there's a disability anthology coming out now, I think, I wish I could remember the the name of it, but it's amazing to me how the the horror community sort of takes, we wrap our arms around these things and and use use that to tell this amazing story and and to make, I don't know, I, I just, I love that it's happening a lot right now and I just, I love to see it.
0: I do too. Everyone's welcome. Yeah. It's a, it's a welcoming yeah, place. That it's,
1: is absolutely true.
0: It's for everyone. And it's, um,
1: yeah. And it's celebrated that way.
0: Well, this is, I could talk to you for a long time. I, uh, this right? was I know. very easy so um, fast. to chat. Um, three days in the pink tower is out from creature publishing. Um, the fourth horror from raw dog streaming press, all of your stuff, go to evnightauthor.com night to, to find a full list. Uh, you can find your social media, everything there. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Yeah, thanks
1: for having me. It was really fun. Thank you.
0: And thank you for listening, as always. Um, check out evnightauthor.com. Go grab some books from Evie Knight. I very much appreciate her coming by to chat. It was an awesome chat. Um, swing by my website, austinrwilson.com. Like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff to the podcast wherever you listen to it. uh, And watch out for the next interview, which I am currently in the middle of scheduling. So got another one coming uh, as soon as I can get it recorded and posted. Uh, I love doing the show, and I love that you are listening, whoever you are. Have a good day.